1: Welcome back to Everyone Talks to Lizzie. Should I call it Everyone Talks to Lizzie? No. My mom used to call me Lizzie, but when she was mad at me, she called me Elizabeth. So I knew it was in trouble. Okay, I'm thinking about something I did this summer, you guys, that I did in front of a crowd. I did karaoke. The song was ABBA's Dancing Queen. I don't know why, but I was... So nervous. I mean, put me live on the Today Show at a breaking news story or on stage at the United Nations General Assembly, both of which I've done, by the way, and I am totally rock solid fine. But singing in front of people, I no, 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 no. Okay, but and, you know, nothing was at stake for me. It was a bunch of friends. But for my guest today. So many important things were at stake when he got up on stage to sing in front of a television audience of millions. Matt Mauser was not a rock star. Much of America didn't really know his name, but they certainly knew what happened to his wife, Christina, on January of 2020. She was a basketball coach at Kobe Bryant's Mamba Sports Academy in Thousand Oaks, California. She was one of the nine victims, including Kobe and his daughter, Gianna, who died when the helicopter they were in crashed in Calabasas, California. Christina was not only a wife, but she was a mom to three kids. Matt, of course, was faced with an absolutely horrific tragedy, but also with a job, raising his children as a single father without the love of his life. You guys are like, okay, so where's the singing part? How does that relate to that, Liz? Just a year and a half after the devastating loss, Matt had the guts, the nerve, and the courage to step on stage to audition for America's Got Talent, his performance of Phil Collins' Against All Odds has now been viewed more than 5 million times on YouTube alone. How do you find the strength to pick yourself up from an absolute nightmare and move forward so successfully? I am so honored to have Matt Mauser here with us today so he can share his story and we can all learn from it. Matt, welcome to Everyone Talks to Liz.
0: Liz, thank you for having me. That was a beautiful setup.
1: Oh, (laughs) Yay, because I was sitting there thinking, how do I set this up? Like, I was thinking, because I had read that you had said that Christina was your compass. So I thought I was going to do this compass analogy. Okay, you're stuck in the woods, but you've got your compass. But what happens if you <laughs> lose your compass? And then I was like, you know what? The singing was so epic, and your song performance was so amazing. I thought, I'm, I'm going with the karaoke theme, and I'm going with the performance theme, because... It really is a once-in-a-lifetime moment, and it went viral. And and what I find so fascinating is the whole story, but the strength that you had. I mean, let, let's back up a bit. I mean, you were quite the California-style guy. I mean, kind of a jack-of-many-trades, a teacher at school, founder. And, and you were a singer. I mean, you were a lead singer of a local cover band, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And, yes, I am. And Still am. Still am. Yeah, the Tijuana Dogs. <laughs> love the name.
0: Tijuana Dogs, yeah.
1: You know, I, I, I want to lead up to meeting Christina and how you met and how you'd all came together with this incredible woman.
0: Oh, thank you. No, she was. Yeah, she definitely was incredible. And she was a fan, believe it or not. Liz, She was a fan. She was attending one of the bars that we were playing at. <laughs> this was in 2000. I know the date. It was July 11th, 2004. And she walked up and she had seen us a few times. And I think we had met in passing a few times. And she asked me if I was going to go back up. And I said, no, we're done. And we started talking and uh, I got her number and we exchanged numbers. And she called me that night. and We went to Del Taco.
1: <laughs> Del Taco. Th- again, that's well, so California. Very first California. Day. Yeah. Very. I'm a California girl myself. <laughs> so I get yeah. it. I get it. But it was almost... You say instantaneous, where it was that sort of lightning strikes, where you realize. Well,
0: you know, it. She was beautiful, so that didn't hurt. And <laughs> and then we had a lot in same. We had a lot in common. We're both athletes. I was a swimmer. She was a, a basketball player and a volleyball player. She was quite an accomplished athlete. And we went to the same high school, although a few years removed. I was ten years older.
1: I'm saying Oh my God. I'm just already I'm so geeked out about this. So I, I mean you're ten years older, same high school, a lot in common. But she sounds pretty gutsy where common. she walked up to you and said, she, So are you guys done? She
0: was she was incredibly confident. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one thing about Christina. She was not shy. And and uh we had I think we had met in passing before, and I think she had mentioned she had a boyfriend. Well I said, Well come back when you don't. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> And so we went to del taco and uh, we talked and we ex- we you know we had a, a shared history but she the thing that i noticed is that she had an incredible sense of humor and an, an incredible laugh and she was incredibly intelligent just easy to talk to transparent um wise she was 23 at the time i was 33 but just inc- very wise and 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 dare i say a drop dead gorgeous so <laughs> So I, I was smitten that day, and uh, we start. That was the rest of our life. We never, we never went a day until the day she died without talking. From that day on,
1: amazing. And the three children, your amazing three kids.
0: Three kids. Uh, we, you know, we both. I, I got. She was a teacher, and she was not working at 23. She had. She had just finished her degree, and then she got her credential, and I got her a job at. The school i was teaching at which was a private school in corona del mar i was teaching spanish and she got a job as the pe teacher because she was just you know the athletic director said oh my goodness this girl is amazing can we bring her in i said (laughs) yeah so i didn't know how i felt about it but we taught together and then the band took off i had a, a, a the tijuana dogs and i started a frank sinatra band and they both just they both just took off and under her management, she was managing everything, she was doing contracts, she was negotiating price, and oh my
1: was, God and and teaching school. amazing. And
0: teaching school, and then we had three children on top. so she was an amazing talent. And, I don't think people just,
1: understand how hard it is um, if they they don't have children and
0: Well, just to put things in perspective, she did she was one person, and i have, I've had to hire. Seven people to replace her, seven: two nannies, two managers, a social media girl, an overall you know assistant, and then uh, uh, and then you know the band, but to, to boot. So it's just like the job that she did was you know a mom, teacher, coach, you know. And then she was working for Kobe Bryant, which is incredibly demanding as well. So. Well, how
1: did that come about? Because Kobe's daughter was a student at the school, correct?
0: He had two daughters there. And I was the Spanish teacher. And one day uh, I was taking my class to San Diego. And his daughter was in seventh grade at the time, his oldest. And he called me and said, hey, can I come with you? I said, yeah. So gets on the bus. I'm sitting next to him. We start a conversation. He knew I was a musician. He knew I was in a uh, in a couple working local bands. And he said, show me, your, show me your original stuff. So I had a bunch of stuff on my phone. I played it for him. He said, <laughs> his words were, what the no bad word expletive <laughs> are you doing teaching? I said, well, I got, I got three jobs and I got a three kids. <laughs> he said, okay, you're, you're kind of, you're going to write songs for me. So we were, uh, wow, we became partners in his, uh, podcast that he had called the punies. It was a children's podcast. We did two seasons. I wrote every song. I would say maybe 40, 50 songs. I did all the commercials, interludes. I just created all the music for him.
1: And he was busy, but he had just retired from the Lakers, correct?
0: He had just retired. And uh, I mean, we were, you know, I was working with him, you know, sporadically when he was injured as still, you know, playing for the Lakers. You had hurt his shoulders later later in his career. And we would talk music. I would come in, I'd sing a song with him. I'd sing a song for recording he was doing. So we were, but then after we retired, we went, we went head on into this project, The Punies. And uh, in that project, he and I were also coaching. I was helping him coach his girls basketball team. He had oh. started a, a basketball team. And I just said, I, I can't keep doing this. I've been, my, my business is getting too crazy. I'm quitting <laughs> teaching. And he said, well, do you think Christina would want to do it? And I said, let me ask her. And she was, no, I don't want to do it. I see how hard you work and how demanding it is. And so I said, told Kobe, I said, I don't think she wants to do it. (laughs) And he said, let me talk to her. So we spoke with her and we agreed that she was going to quit teaching. I would quit teaching. We pulled our kids out of private school and we were all in. So she was coaching. I was playing music, writing for him, and uh, home all day with our children. It was a wonderful time.
1: Well, he saw something in her.
0: Well, she was a great coach. Yeah. I mean, she, she had, a, like I said, as as you know, I I kind of told you how smart she was and how you know just naturally intelligent she was. And on the basketball court, she had she was a general. She just knew every angle. She could pick up the triangle in in like 15 minutes. It'd take guys years to pick up the triangle. She picked up in 15 minutes. (laughs) She had an amazing eye for patterns. And just like anything that she did that had mathematics and athletics, she was just brilliant. And I'd never met anybody like her. She was a really unique person.
1: This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we're going to be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash claiman. Just go to Indeed.com slash claiman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash claiman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So fast forward and she's 38 years old and I remember this day. I don't want to remember this day, so I can only imagine how you feel about it. But what was she doing? She was going to help coach a basketball tournament, correct, when she got onto Kobe's helicopter?
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, she had been there the day before. They had had a tournament, and it was the next day. It was Sunday. And I had had a show the night before, so I didn't get home till late. She oh. actually came to visit me at the show just to say hi because we hadn't seen each other for a day or two. And uh, I came home around 10, 30, 11 o'clock and she was playing with our daughter and we talked and we talked about the schedule for the next day because she was going to go up, do a game, come back. And then I had a show at a place called the Brea Improv, a sold out show with my uh, Sinatra band. So we were talking about that. My daughter Penny was going to be singing with us a song that we had written together. Wait,
1: Penny sings, right? How old was mm-hmm. she at that point?
0: She was uh, 11.
1: Ooh. Wow! Mm-hmm. Again, gutsy people here. I was freaking out at at my age doing karaoke in front of friends. She was good, just getting up on stage.
0: She was great. Oh. Yeah, she still is. Uh, she can. Uh, she gets up there and just. I mean, she's like her mom. That can sing. My wife couldn't sing, <laughs> <laughs> but she tried. She, no, she could. She. She would. No, she would always goof around. She would always like <laughs> silly it up. I'd say, come on, show us, do it, do it. You're great. Just do it. She, nope. She would always goof around <laughs> anyway. So, uh, we were talking about her coming home. She'd be home by noon. Uh, I was going to get everything squared away at home before we left. And we'd leave as a family to the show, which is about 40 minutes from where we live in Huntington beach. And, uh, she was going to get the, penny ready at the show. So that was the plan. So she said, I'll be home by noon. So she woke up early. I think she woke up like 6.37 and I was out. I remember her kissing me and I kind of came, I came to after she kissed me and said, I love you. And she walked out and I didn't say, I love you. I I was just coming out and I went, ah, she'll be back by
1: noon."
0: That's how routine it was. I go, ah, she'll be back. I'll be able to reconnect then. Mm. And I never got that chance. So I was taking a shower and I got out of the shower and I brushed my teeth and she still hadn't texted me because she was religious about she hated flying. Okay. Which scares me because I'm flying tomorrow with David Foster to Waco, Texas. Wow. It's, yeah. It's, the composer? Anyways, that's I, I yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a byproduct of the America's Got Talent. Okay, good. But uh, we both we both don't like flying, especially private. And she hated the helicopter and, but she would always text when she landed and just as I'm okay, I'm here. I'm, I'm, we're heading here. You know, She was really good about that. And I didn't see anything and I went, Oh crap. So I Googled it, nothing came up. And then I got a call from a friend of mine. Hey, did you hear? And I just oh my- hit the floor. Kobe's gone. Kobe's dead. And I just went, Oh, shit! it's over. And, uh, and I brought my kids into the living room, sat them on the couch, and I told them, and we just cried. And then the hurricane kind of hit for two mu- a month and a half, and then COVID hit. And then I was, I went from being crazy to just me and my kids without, without their mom. It was, <sighs> so that was the worst year of my life. How do it,
1: you sit there alone in the house, locked down? Well, forget the COVID forget that because COVID either was way so
0: insignificant it, it, yeah,
1: exactly <laughs> it's it, just a
0: major a major inconvenience it was just such an inconvenience after losing everything it was just this it was like what the hell is this you know
1: like how much how much worse can it get
0: Mm-hmm. i had a moment how i had a moment you, when how it's... did
1: you deal with the kids how did you how did you help them when you were just dying inside yourself.
0: Well, I, I I did see a counselor for the first couple months and, uh, and I was on a show, it was called Red Table Talk, but it wasn't with Will Smith. It was with uh, Gloria Stefan. Oh, she's great. And she had she had a grief guy on there, and I was, you know, I was a poster child for grief for a good period of time. <laughs> and uh, he said, Let your kids see you cry let your kids see you experience joy so wait, i
1: did wait let me get not, to the let your kids see you cry i've always tried not to do that because i worry that it will scare them that mom's weak
0: and i'm supposed mm-hmm.
1: to be the strong one what is the thinking behind that
0: you got me <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but I, it was uh it was you know there are levels for me of grief. And, you know, I, I, you know, when things would go wrong around the house or the car would break down or finances would become in question, you know, I'd never showed those things to the kids or try my best not to, but the obvious is so apparent when your mother dies, Mm -hmm. I think that trying to hide it, you know, would just be foolish. I think you you know, they know they're not dumb. They're really intelligent kids. And they know that I'm not, you know, doing well. So I just would say, I need to cry. And you go in the back room and I'd cry and then I'd come back and I go, okay, what do you guys want to do?
1: Yeah, got, got, to, got to pick yourself up. And, and in fact, you were a champion swimmer in high school, right? And college. And, you know, just a month after the tragedy, I'm sure you were soaked in emotional pain. You were drawn back to the pool, right? As if an unseen magnet was pulling you there. What Mm -hmm. pulled you to the pool? Because there's therapy. There's sitting alone in your room crying. And with you, there was the swimming
0: pool. It's a great question. And for me, it was uh, every day at noon, I had a group of people that I would swim with. It was a master's program. And I had a wonderful coach. He's a Colombian guy and he'd say, Matt, you need to swim. And there's, you know, those endorphins kick in the task of swimming certain amount. And for the first couple of weeks, I could only go, you know, 15, 20 minutes. I mean, my body just shut down. I lost about 20 pounds in the first, in the Mm -hmm. first two months, you know, I'm about 200. I went right to 180 and, but I'd slowly, you know, began to get you know, build my yardage up. And with that, I, I started feeling better. I never, you know, not that I ever felt good, but I felt better. And that was the progress. It was like just the body has to heal. The mind has to heal. And you just, you know, the mundane task of just looking down and keeping and not stopping was just all I could do.
1: And when you're underwater, it's, it's silent. But I guess even with that sensory deprivation, it's really hard to turn off thoughts or a mind that's oh. stuck on a treadmill of rumination, right? Impossible,
0: impossible. But I got some key you know, tools to work with me. Somebody once said, picture it as a movie screen, the end of the movie and the curtain draws and you watch it come down. And I would just do that over and over in my head. And I don't know how much it helped, but it did help. Um, I got to the point where I had coping mechanism, but there were nights where I would just pace, pace the floor, not sleep. It oh. was, it was, I wouldn't wish this on, on anybody. It's, it's, it, it's still hard. It's still hard. And I do have PTSD, but, um, but you don't, you know, what What are the options? Exactly. I knew I had one option. I had to, I had to take care of my children.
1: Exactly. And that's and, what and Christina that's would biggest... do. That's what she would do.
0: Mm-hmm. If it was me, I'd say, please take care of those kids.
1: This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we're going to be right back. wait another moment to start your learning journey with MasterClass. Right now our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com/liz. That's 15% off at masterclass.com/liz. masterclass.com/liz. Well, then how is it? I'm sure it was really hard to engage in I guess face-to-face talk chit chat with anybody even a year later but then july 6th 2021 Mm -hmm. you take the stage in front of millions of viewers to audition for america's got talent tell me what led to that where what was the actual germination the genesis of that whole idea
0: so we had set up a uh, foundation for my wife and I decided to do a live and, and, and before that, like a few months after my guitar player and I, we did a couple of, uh, in-home concerts, just playing music, talking about, you know, he lost his wife. I lost my wife all in a matter of about eight months of each other. Oh my God. And, uh, his wife died of, of a disease, you know, and mine was sudden. So we were sitting in Christmas and we did a, a uh, like a live Facebook, Instagram sing along. You know, and we had like 80,000 viewers watching. So because I was a that's a, a
1: darn bit. good number.
0: Uh, so we had 80,000 people watching and we knew there was a bit of an audience and especially here in Orange County, we we're very popular. And so everybody was on our side and was just so we decided to do on her birthday on the anniversary of the crash. Sorry. The year later, we decided to do a live uh podcast or a broadcast or what do you call it? It's Facebook, yep. Instagram yep social media and we did and we got a ton of views and one of the viewers was a scouting talent agent for america's got talent so they called me and they said you 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 know we love the way you sing would you consider coming on the show because back then they were in covid nobody could be you couldn't be together so i said sure i'll think about it and i wasn't going to do it i thought it was too much and too emotional i didn't want that kind of you know publicity. I thought people might think, Oh, he's trying to gain something off the death of his wife, which always kind of concerned me. But I talked to my manager, I talked to my wife's mother and her brother. I said, what do you think? And they said, you better, you better <laughs> do it. <laughs> and that's what she would want. And so I said, okay, I'm gonna, uh, but I needed to have some kind of reason to do it. My re- rationale was I wanted my kids to see that life goes on that you don't give up, and so I did it. And I, I, you know, I've performed in front of, you know, I, I do this is I do Mar-a-Lago every New Year's Eve for the past four years. Okay. I've done, I've done uh, huge shows. You know, did we just did a show last week with ten thousand people down here in Dana Point nice. Fourth of July? We did our show 12,000 people. We're very We, I've been in front of huge audiences, but Matt, this was, this is America's got talent. This was by far the most, uh, challenging for me. It wasn't the singing. It wasn't the, the audience, which, you know, was a COVID kind of situation, but it was the fact that I was dealing with grief more than anything. And I was just, I was the thoughts. I didn't care about the judges. Like I'd done this a thousand times. I didn't care about the judges. I didn't care what they thought. To me, it was the connection that I had with my wife, and I was singing to her, and I was trying to contain the emotions of singing to her without her in here.
1: I'm getting emotional just thinking about this because, and I encourage everybody listening to watch the performance on YouTube, singing that song, Against All Odds, which is also a very very emotional ballad before you stepped out on stage. And I know a lot's going on. You're being interviewed backstage. Your kids were standing right there with you mm-hmm. before you walked out. What was going through your, your heart, your mind, your nerves?
0: You know, you go blank. You just kind of, you just go, you know, the mic wasn't working. So Simon had said something like this mic uh you know, he was upset <laughs> about it and, I, and, and, and and what's it? Terry comes out and says, Matt, you're doing great. This isn't, this isn't you. This is a technical thing. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I've, but, I've been in many a dive bar. This yeah, happens. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I, I just, um, and I said to myself, I'm just going to remove my emotions from this and I'm going to go through it and I'm not going to try to, you know, control everything. I'm just going to do this and, let what happens happens. You Mm -hmm. know, I, I, everything that I was doing was pure. I was there for the, I was there to, for a reason that was to show my kids and nobody else really mattered. And my wife. So if she's looking and our family and our close friends were looking, that's, that's really all I was there to do. And the, everything else that came with it, I accepted that. You know, so good, bad. And I got a lot of bad, you know, I got a lot of bad, a lot of kind of mean mean thing said, and I just went, okay.
1: <laughs> oh, well, let me tell you something. <laughs> those are those are spineless, hidden creatures hiding under rocks in basements. They have mm. never been so-called in the Teddy Roosevelt arena, bloodied but at least trying. They're up in the stands, soulless, just criticizing yeah. people. But I watched, I mean, Simon Cowell was, I loved how he responded to you, and I thought Heidi Klum's response was just so touching to me, and everybody was was amazed. But taking out the backstory, dude, you are an excellent singer. You really, oh, really are so good. I'm not surprised that you're working with David Foster now. Let's talk about today, because mm-hmm. you know you're you're still working your way through the storm. I'm sure, depending on the moment, but. You never wanted to let grief define you or the family. Tell me about what you're doing today. That's exciting. That you know Christina would be so impressed and thrilled and
0: proud of. Mm, thank you. No. Well, the first thing is I'm I'm dad, so that's that's my priority. Yep. My daughter is playing water polo at Modern Day High School, which is a very you know it's a Catholic school here, known for sports, and she's just. She's an absolute stud. <laughs> my my son was playing water polo and about a few months ago he decided, Dad, I want to play basketball. I wanna honor my mom. And he's gonna be tall. So he's about five ten at at 13 years old. Oh nice. A size 13 shoe. And Whoa! Okay. <laughs> so so we'll see what happens. And I said, you know, basketball's not like it's water polo's, you know, Southern California. That's pretty much the hub for water polo if you can go anywhere. <laughs> And so, you know, and then my little one is just a character. She's adorable. And she's, you know, she wants to box. So that's my priority. My kids, they're all just started school yesterday. My daughter's been in high school for about three weeks. But as far as the David Foster thing, he, my manager worked so that I could, he called David and said, Hey, I've got a show for you. And I want this guy to sing. And David doesn't take newcomers he's like well do you have any videos and his management saw it gave it to him and said yeah i'll work with him oh so we we worked one time together and we went out to dinner that night and he said matt you know you do this in stuff really well i mean he's been calling me ever since we've traveled the travel the world uh the last two years um. tomorrow we're flying to waco texas to do a show for baylor um with uh on the on the jet, we leave tomorrow at ten thirty. <laughs> anyway, so it's it's been a great it's been a great uh, relationship, and he's he's just an amazing talent, and his wife is is wonderful, and they're they're just you know they do shows, and they they, they bring amazing people along with them, and you're meeting all these you know fantastic uh, artists and musicians, and it's just fun. Mm-hmm. I'm sure but then are. the band here, yeah. you know, our Sinatra band has. Taken off, we're doing tons of shows everywhere, traveling the world. Just did the top of the uh, world trade about two months ago, so Bank of America. Amazing,
1: amazing. So, I mean, there are all these incredible experiences. If if there are people listening right now, what would you say to them, people who have suffered loss? And by the way, none of us gets out unscathed by the Mm -hmm. end. None of us. But some are particularly painful. What would you say to them if they are sitting there saying, I am never leaving the shadows of my room again. I, I don't know how I can take another step forward. I don't know how I can live to see another day.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I have specifics. For me, the first thing you got to do is you have to grieve. You have to cry when you need to cry. You have to reach out to people that will listen to you. And find the people that, I had great advice from Anderson Cooper. I know he's a competing network. but oh, he I'm a huge
1: me. fan of Anderson. Huge fan.
0: And he, he interviewed me. And then he wrote me a beautiful email. And he said, you will find the people that you least expected to be the people that are, you need in your life. Mm. And that was so true. Sometimes it was somebody that I least expected that would be there for me. And I needed to talk, and I needed to, to 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 have an outlet. And then, and I used those, and I wasn't afraid to reach out. So I reached out, and it's especially uh, challenging for men because men we don't typically do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I highly recommend getting on some kind of exercise program. And I know that sounds rah rah, but for me, it made all the difference. And. I started feeling good physically. Your physical well-being is so affected by grief and stress. And I needed an outlet. For me it was swimming, it was and then I would take these long walks in the afternoon. I would swim and then I'd take these long walks 7, 8, 10 miles. And so my body was you know I was experiencing grief but I was counteracting that with something uh, you know, physical.
1: Good point. Excellent.
0: And then, you know, get busy, stay busy, you know, don't see, I mean, learn coping mechanisms that help you get through tough times and keep pushing forward, have something in your life that you're passionate about, find something that's important to you. I don't care what it is. Something that for me, it was music. For me, it was getting my career back. For me, it was getting my kids, you know, educated and, and getting good at sports and all these things and, but if you don't have something that, you know, you have a reason to wake up for every day, you're not going to.
1: Matt, thank you. I I am so moved by this story. But more importantly, I feel like I've grown and I've learned something very positive from such such a nightmarish experience for you. And I know our listeners feel the same way. And I'm going to punch every listener in the face who doesn't dial up and look at that that clip from America's Got Talent it's right there on the internet it's amazing and um it doesn't hurt that you're like drop dead really really good looking so I just (laughs) gotta wish you the best of luck Matt thank you thank you for sharing your story with our listeners
0: thank you Liz it's a pleasure
1: wish you the best of luck although I don't know if you need it and good luck with the kids the kids sound
0: great (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: You guys, what do I tell you that you will never be disappointed with the guests that we bring on, but this one is special. This one is really, really different in that the experience alone in sharing something like this, first of all, that's a very hard thing to do, but so generous of, of Matt to share how he climbed out of the abyss. And I hope that you're all grateful for it, and I hope that you tune in. As always, because I really personally appreciate that you care enough to better yourselves through these podcasts. And I'll see you Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Claim and Countdown. Thanks again. Want to listen ad free? You can do it with a Fox News Podcasts Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And then, Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad free on the Amazon Music app.